So for this week's episode, I sat down with Ivan Rubio. Ivan Rubio is the founder and owner of Highland Ventures Group. What they do is value-add investments. So we focus mainly on his fix and flips, but he does do midterm rentals as well. And for those of you who don't know what a midterm rental is, it's a rental property that is rented out for like six months, anywhere from like usually three to six months. And then obviously short-term rentals are like vacation rentals. Um, and midterm rentals are, are made more for like traveling nurses and people who are kind of just locating to certain jobs. Like a lot of the times um, we've done projects with elevators and the elevator guys come in and they, they, they're there for a few months. They're there for three or four months um, doing elevators in large buildings. So they would stay at a place like that. But regardless, we talk mostly about fix and flip projects. And Ivan has an awesome way of explaining the intricate details of how the business works down from acquisitions and marketing to fulfillment of, of the construction process itself and the sale of it. And one of the things that I think I took from this more than really virtually anything else that he talked about was the roles in which him and his wife play in the business because they're business partners. And I think that anyone, real estate or not, can take a lot of value from what he has to speak about in that because what we don't realize is that there's a lot of things that we're very good at that are not necessarily conducive to every intricate part of the business, right? So some people are very analytical and logical like Ivan is, and that's awesome for the back end side of the business, but he recognizes that he's not awesome or as great as maybe his wife is at talking to people. And so that's the role that she plays in the business. And they work amazingly together. I mean, he's doing 20 to 30 flips, hopefully in the next year. I mean, that's just a crazy number. Um, if you want to follow him on Instagram, it's REI operations. I think that his page is awesome. I have it up here right now. One of his last posts is why not to overdo the finishes in your flips. The other one is buying distressed properties, but not owning them and why you should do that. Um, and why you shouldn't sit on the equity. So certain things like that, I would I would head over there and take a look at his Instagram. He really explains some of these these fundamental details of running a flipping business and why certain things are important that you may not think about. So without further ado, here's Ivan. Where I'm at now is five years prior to you, right? Ten years prior to you. You know what I mean? Like the, the point where I'm at now just seems like it's an earlier stage itself, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's where it's like, um, even for example, you said you're helping your dad with the window business. If I think someone can be really successful in real estate, if they treat it as a business, I think a lot of times people will treat it almost like a hobby, like this side hobby that they have. And while that can make you wealthy, obviously, if you have a full-time job and that's how you run it, and by all means, but if you have sort of a experience running an actual business that's outside of real estate maybe related to a window business a roofing business a construction business any type of business you sort of know what it takes to actually get a business running um a lot of times i feel like real estate investors almost treat it like a hobby mm -hmm. they do the work themselves a lot um and they don't focus on the right areas of the business so for example for me that's a deal flow mm -hmm. i need to have deals coming in i need to find a way to get deals that's primarily why I contract the majority of the work because yeah. that, although I know how to do it and I'm relatively familiar with how to, you know, install trim, install doors, how to put windows in, how to put flooring in, how to install a toilet, how to put a tub, surround, 
I know how to do that. I, I've done it before and I'm, I'm familiar. I mean, I grew up around it. So it's like, you know it, but it's not something that I should be spending my time on because ultimately this is a business. I need to run it like a business and I need to focus my time on what's valuable. Yeah. And not saying that the construction side is not valuable, but more of that's not where my time is most valuable. Exactly. My time is most valuable in finding deals. How do I get deals and how do I get people to fund those deals? Mm -hmm. That is where I focus. And a majority of everything else, I hire it out. Even something as simple as like installing a doorknob. Right. I'm probably going to go on TaskRabbit, yep. look up someone that can put a doorknob and have them put it. Is it going to cost me a hundred bucks? Probably. But I am in that time going to go look at a property from a seller that I got direct mail from and potentially close on it because that's what I'm better at. Right. And that's where in order to grow the business, you sort of have to be able to delegate, focus your time and just be disciplined. Yeah. Um, which I think from what it sounds like, you kind of have that mentality of just being able to kind of figure out. I mean, you said you do direct mail, which is a great deal flow. Right. It's like, how do I get deal flow? What works and what doesn't be able to say no to the things that are not, you know, don't waste your time on that and be able to say yes to what's actually within your realm of criteria. Right. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, I, when I started, it was, I told you, I, it was a mess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you do, you're doing everything, you're doing everything. Yeah. And at some point you grow enough where everything crumbles. Right. Because there's nothing in place. There's no deals left for the contractors. Right. And if you want good contractors, they need to be able to trust that you have consistent work. Right. How, so if you're spending your time on the contracting, yeah, there's no way you make that transition. You have to bite the bullet early right. and focus on. So what I've realized I have to focus on right now is acquisitions, but more importantly, data, right? data management. Because I'm, I'm doing, a, I'm right now sort of outsourcing like cold calling and things like that as well. So follow okay. up uh, on, on direct mail right. and trying to sort of build out those funnels. And I'm trying to automate as much as I possibly can. Right. Because where I'm important is, is like, I don't need to be cold calling for four hours if I can spend those four hours on figuring out how to how to enter this market better, how right. to get deeper into the market, because nobody else knows that, right? Especially the cold callers, right? That's right. not their specialty. So anything that I find that's unique with me that I can bring the most value to the business with, um, whereas like something that I cannot outsource, I built a list like a web chart of a bunch of different things that go into it, right? And then what is automatable what's outsourceable and what is not right. And anything that fell into my category, I, I tallied up all the right. different portions of it. I said, okay, most tallies was in data. That's what I need to focus on. Okay. And that way I'm now able to, to pick the market, pick the kinds of people in the market, pick the demographics right. and things like that. And you know, I, I'm starting to get the hang of things. It's, it's right. a lot to build. Right. Um, have, but, you, have you only done one deal or is it multiple? Yeah, it was that. Well, it was like one. I I don't know. Some people call it one. Some people call it two. Oh, okay. It oh, like, it's a converted. It converted it. So okay. like I owned one deed and sold two. I don't think it matters. Probably. Yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I, that, that's the analytical like over complex <laughs> side. So I just say I I just say one just to okay. keep it easy because I own one. But okay. um, yeah. And and like I said, I mean I've been getting more active in putting the offers out there. Right. Um, but. I, what I don't want to do is be the mom and pop five five deals a year investor. Yeah, and what that to me takes a lot of sacrifice early now to build the process. Right. I mean, even that, it's like ultimately, it's like uh, 
I've realized that the real estate game is all about numbers. Yeah. Uh, how many offers do you put in a year? How many offers do you put in a month? Yep. How many offers do you put in? I mean, my wife always says, like, this guy puts offers on everything. Yeah. It might be, you know, some might consider it low, but again, can you justify that low, right? Can you give them a reason why you came to that conclusion? Don't just lowball them because, oh, I'm bored and I want to be a BICK. Yeah, right. So it's like, no, you're lowballing or you're putting in that offer because that's the amount of work you have to do. So ultimately, it's like, how many offers do you put in? And, you know, is at, oh, it is a numbers game. Like, you will eventually get an offer accepted. Yeah, it's a game of probability. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, so do you have something where you're tracking how many offers you've made? How many have been accepted? How many have come from direct mail? So surprisingly, cold calling has never worked for me. No, so cold calling itself, actually, from what I've heard, is not is not effective. But cold calling as a follow up to a direct mail, ah, okay, is because gotcha. it's it's a second form right. of of awareness. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, because I've I've done it both ways. I've done it with direct mail, where you send out a direct mail, and then you kind of you know I usually kind of know when they've received it. Yeah, uh, so I use a third party to do my direct mail. I do too. So they I outsource it. What do you use? Uh, his name is Jerry. He's oh, in okay. Texas. Um, he's actually really popular. I'm to talk to him. Okay, yeah. Um, forget his last name. But I use uh, Yellow Letters. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. Popular one. And I think the other one is uh, Ballpoint Marketing. I've heard that one too, yeah. Yeah, but he's he's a small boutique. So he actually is very personal. He'll like text you and say, hey, you know, I sent it out. Send you an email. He'll tell you exactly like what was sent out. He'll tailorize. He'll, he'll actually customize each specific type of property that you're sending it to um what i like about him again is a small boutique so he kind of you get to have that personal relationship with him and he used to be a wholesaler oh i think he still is but his business the main thing that he focuses his efforts on is running the direct mail business that he has right which then ultimately funds a lot of his investments that he does. that's what i love too i've, I've always said that like, um, for instance, <clears throat> I, I, I think on a grander scheme. So, like, if Tesla ever opened their own lithium mining yeah. company, you know, it, it takes a lot of capital up front. But reality is, if you're looking in terms of sustainability, why constantly pay the premium to another right. company? Build every single need. Right. Bu build it into a company that's yeah. sustaining on its own. Not only is it now a cash flowing business, but now you get everything like a, a just a general right. wholesale value. So right. like something like that, where he's building his own, he is doing so much direct mail that he's to the point where he can outsource and, right. and start selling his service. At the right. same time, his direct mail is probably half the cost of what he's charging. Right. <laughs> so, or even people who, for example, I'm in the flipping game, right? So even my example is like, eventually you get to a size where you can have a full-time carpenter. You can yeah. have a full-time, you know, you kind of can predict your cost. You much say, easier yeah. it's like in-house stuff yeah like this guy's gonna work this much yep i know he works 40 hours a week he's gonna focus this much effort on this project xyz like those types of situations are what you seek that can you could predict all your operation costs right same as like larger buildings right you have certain syndicators who are out making their own management companies right because what is a management company charging eight ten percent literally they can charge themselves because they own it five percent exactly so it's like obviously i'm, I'm gonna make my own management company. you obviously have to have the resources and all that but it's just a matter of like 
even with direct wholesaling, it's like, how do he did that? Because he was wholesaling. He realized that was a need and now he benefits it from it. And so do I. So. Right. That's the, that's the best part of being able to be that level 10 visionary. Right. Exactly what you're doing is outsourcing and automating everything so that you can be in that position to say, okay, what's, what's right. a need in my company? Oh, direct mail's a need. Well, I can kill two birds with one stone. I can build a business out of it and make money and I can save costs in my own direction. Right. You don't get to do that when you're active. Right. In business. So <laughs> that's interesting, man. Um, I like asking everybody their one, three, five, and 10 year goals. Yeah. So um, my one year goal right now is to grow my flipping business to doing uh, at least 15, 20 flips a year um, within the next uh, year. And then my three year goal is to increase that to roughly 30. And then five, I, I do want to be above the, the 50 mark a year. Um, those are, you know, kind of aspirational, but I do it full time now. So I don't actually have a full time job, like a nine right. to five. So I focus a lot of extra time on that. I make a lot of offers. I am out in the market. I'm networking practically every day, doing yeah. stuff like this. Right. Um, so those are kind of my goals. And obviously, from a standpoint of uh, I don't want it to be uh you know i don't just want this to be a hobby i want this to be a fully sustainable business right um so that's kind of where i'm focusing my efforts on that aspect because that is what as i said before is growing my revenue uh to create long-term wealth and they with rentals it's a little difficult to find deals right now mm -hmm. uh, but it's a lot easier to flip and go off and sell an asset even if they're taking a little longer to sell but I'm okay with that as long as my underwriting is you know, looking out for that. And again, it's that's kind of what my one, three, and five year goals are for. for that. What about ten? It's a, they don't also have to be business. They can be yeah. anything. Um. So I am married. Yeah. I have kids. Um. I have two kids. I have a beautiful wife. Uh, Case's sister. Yeah. That's why he loves me so much. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and the deals too. Yeah, yeah the leads. That's a good one. Uh, but anyways, he, um, I do want to focus my time and spending more time with my children. Yep. Um, I want to grow my family. I have two girls right now. I do want to get, uh, you know, have more children yep. and uh, be able to spend a lot more time. That is ultimately why I do this. Yep. Um, because I want to spend as much time as possible with my children um, because I, I grew up in a family household. I, my mom and dad were great, fantastic, but they, they were in survival mode constantly. And so <clears throat> I've had it in my vision of what I want to achieve within the next 10 years is to be present in their life for the next 10 years. Yeah. Uh, be home, you know, put them to bed, do all the things, read books, you know, basically, I want them to know that I'm not this guy that's just going out working all the time because ultimately a, a child, what they need is just your presence. Yes. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of where my 10 year goals are to uh, just be present with them and um, help them develop their mind because those are the most important years of their life. Yeah. So. Yeah. And influence is above anything else. So right. you can't influence without presence. Right. I love that. Yeah. Um, all right. And then the last thing I do here is I ask, the last guest to leave a question for the next guest. Oh, snap. 
So, so. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> well, I'll put you on the spot in a second, but I'll ask you the question my last guest asked. Okay, go ahead. And um, the, the one nuance is you don't know what industry the next guest is going to be in or anything like that. Okay. So it's a general question. Okay. Um, so what my last guest asked was, if you were 50 years old looking back now, what would you regret? Man, I would probably regret not spending time. I don't know what I would regret. I don't regret things. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would, I don't know what I would regret. Uh, I would probably regret not spending, dedicating more time to, uh, man, that's a great question. What would I regret at 50 years old? Um, probably not work, working too much. Yeah. Which is what I just said right now. Right. That's why well, I focus on my next 10 years. Well, that's what I mean. <laughs> that's perfect. Honestly, it's probably the best question to ask. Right. It's a segue yeah. into that. Yeah, because, you know, it's, it's an insightful question. I'll, I'll tell you, the last guest was a, um, a psychology guy. He's okay. a good friend of mine, and we're right. both uh, very intrigued with psychology. And um, we're big on accountability and self-reflection. So that, that's where the origin of that question was. Like, you're not perfect at any point in your life. Right. And what's one thing that you could fix now today right. that you don't recognize that you could fix today? You don't see it as a problem. You see it as a necessity. But in 50 years, it's not going to matter as much. Right. And, you know, there's that balance because we all struggle with that balance of building a business. Do I need to sacrifice all my time right. and commit myself to something? Or in the grand scheme of things, it's not going to be as important as I'm making it out to be now. Right. Okay. That's, man, I... That was a good question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've been on a few and they, they don't ask me that. Yeah. I, I haven't had a question like that was deep. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that's what, that's what all, a lot of them are. They're like, they're trying to, trying to pull out information. Yeah. That's, that's good. So you, you wouldn't know the industry, I guess. That's now I'm trying to think of what my question would be. If you were dying, you knew you were dying tomorrow, right? Who in this world would you go apologize to? Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. I feel like you just asked me that question too. <laughs> it was so directed towards me. I kind of feel like I got to answer. Wow. That's literally a good question because I, I like it because it makes them think like, oh, snap. Yeah, it's like, where did I fuck up? <laughs> where, did I, where did I mess up? What did I do? We've all done it. Yeah, so. we've all done it. It's like, it just honestly my problem is which which one which one deserves it more <laughs> you know what I mean? it's like then you gotta balance it it's yeah like, yeah it's like okay it's well like, there's a couple options <laughs> yeah that's a good that's a good that's one a good so just question. saying uh if you knew you were dying tomorrow who would you apologize to? they don't have to give you the reason why i just yeah 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 i don't want to get yeah. that <laughs> so I feel like I'm gonna put someone in tears with that question. <laughs> the wrong person. And they don't have to name them either. It's just like Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just just, you know, this person and yeah, this person. And yeah. Like I um, I've had situations, for example, for me when I was younger, uh, I did a lot of things that I shouldn't have done. Yeah. Um, primarily around, you know, very being mean. Right. So I'm all, I've always been an arithmetic, analyzing kind of statistical nerd. Cold-hearted, cold-hearted. Yep. People see me as blunt, and so it's like, 
you hurt a lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) Hurt a lot of people in the process. So for the most part, you know, now that I have my wife, she balances it out. That's the best part. I was even I was thinking about that on the way. I go, like I've I've I listen to a lot of podcasts about a bunch of different things. But one of the things uh, I was actually listening to a PBD yeah um valuetainment with yeah. neil degrasse tyson yeah. an older one yeah and they were talking about how they kind of pick like um how they balance out opportunities in life in general and how they're right. like multi-dimensional right and multiple things go into one of the things they were talking about is finding like a wife yeah and so i was thinking on the way here like what are some of the things that are important to me and one of them the biggest the most important thing to me would be finding somebody who shines light on my own ignorance right and because i'm very similar in that yeah. analytical, straightforward, blunt. You're right. going to hear the truth even if you don't want it from me. Right. And usually I don't sugarcoat it. Right. And that's a- sometimes arrogant and sometimes ignorant to somebody else's, you know. Right. I, I like to, I'm a, a no BS kind of guy as well. Yeah. So Same. even if you're kind of going through something, I'm like, yeah, suck it up. Or I think of the, I, I think of like, well, why aren't you doing this? Right. It's, it's like, like uh, uh, that's not how it works. Yeah. I it's know. like, hey, bud, <laughs> you see that invisible wall you're not looking through? The options right there. Uh, even for example, my wife helps run our business, so she's she's more of the uh, personal relationship side of our business. Uh, so I'm very, you know, I kind of can see the things in black and white. I can see the world through a lens of like, all right, this is it's either A or B. There's no in between. Right. Um, and then I also am very good at the sales component, so I can, you know, I can do all the sales aspects of real estate. But she's very relationship based. So yeah. sometimes in real estate, it is not about numbers. It is especially when you're doing this as a living and you're going out and doing off market deals. It's relationship based. Absolutely. <clears throat> and I think that's where a lot of my kind of ignorance lies is because I kind of view myself as like logical and I say, oh, well, that's that makes sense. Right. And she's kind of more of the well, people don't make rash decisions mm-hmm. sometimes. So you have to consider what they're thinking, right? Uh, what their perception is of you. Although you feel like you're being honest and direct, that still hurts people. Right. I look at it as respectful. <laughs> if, some, yeah. if, some, if somebody's honest and direct with me and tell me I'm, I'm screwing up, <laughs> yeah. I say thank you. I know. Right. But not everyone. It's funny because I was actually talking to my therapist a couple of weeks ago about yeah. this. And I said, listen, I, I feel like who I am is analytical and very structured right. in the way that I go about relationships with people and networking. I want people to respect me more than like me. Right. And she said something very, very helpful to me, which was don't be afraid for people to get to know you, right. Who you are as a personality, right. Who you are as a social person, social right. being. And I I stepped back and I thought about that for a couple of weeks because I'm like, you know what? I am focusing too much on the uh, on the analytical side, right? And when and I look for people to respect me over like me, but the reality is, not everybody's looking to to respect you. Some people just want to like you for who you are, right? And it's nice that you (laughs) you you have somebody to balance that out versus having to instill that in yourself it sounds easier and that's been uh, that was the biggest thing with my wife is that i found her to be a a, you know we're we're a great team so we both in parenthood in business in our personal life i think she's a great kind of complementary to what i do what i'm not good at she's extremely good at even for example uh, social media contents like this 
all that. Like she's yep. exceptionally good at it. She'll come up with topics. She'll do all that. Even for example, direct mail, we have a lead tracker. She's very good at kind of keeping tabs of that. Yeah. Uh, because I'm not very administrative, yep. but she is. And so it's like, it's a very great combination. And we both obviously run the business together. Uh, and even when we're doing our flips, even the color schemes that we choose, which are very standard most of the time, they're kind of consistent, yep. but it's a very good art of her input with my logical mind yep. and being able to say, you know, okay, that makes sense because she knows how to get people's to people's emotions. Right better than I can. Yeah. So I think in the flipping business has been really successful for us because we literally you're you're almost always targeting a first time home buyer. Oh yeah. Or any type of home buyer. Yep. And a lot of that people don't make rational decisions. They make it how do they feel? What right. are they what does this make them feel like? Right. Um so a lot of the stuff like even designs come from her mm -hmm. because I I just look at the price tag. Right. Yeah. Well, again, and, and that's that. Again, that's something you need. You you right. need somebody to say, "Oh, oh, we're not putting in marble. Yeah, we're not putting in marble. It doesn't make sense." But you need somebody to also say, "We're not putting in laminate." Come right. on, come on now. And that's where she comes in. And that's where she comes in. <laughs> you, you can't do this horrible product. I know. Oh well, it works. Yeah, it works. It, it covers the, the the cabinets, but it's it doesn't work the way it or should. Something she did uh, not too long ago was, she said. I I was on to like responding to a seller. I thought that maybe if I explained everything to them, they would take my offer. Um, and she ended up telling me, well, actually, they based on his situation, she he, he had a family member that had died. It went to probate, all of that. From my logical standpoint, probably you, you would have seen, oh, you know, maybe I should just be really transparent, tell them everything that I'm going to do, yep. and then you know, show them that this is whatever. In most cases, that might be true. Mm -hmm. But in his case, she the whole time was just thinking about the family member that died. Right. And she was like, you can't, this used to be owned by that guy. Mm -hmm. So you have to consider that. You have to take that into account. And I made the dumb mistake of still sending it. Right. Huge fight. But it ended up becoming one of those learning lessons with her yeah. of like both in marriage and in business where you say, all right, what could I have done differently? Mm -hmm. And from that moment on, I decided every time I send an email, I have to get her input. Yep. Because she has to read it, especially when the, and mind you, this guy was on the MLS. He was about to list it on the MLS. And I had an opportunity to get an off-market deal had I just considered the fact, every possible fact, including the emotional side. Right. But I didn't do that. And the consequence was this guy put it on the MLS, sold. Yeah. So, so if you look, if you look up in 50 years from now and look back to now, that's what you regret. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Being the cold-hearted to the probate yeah, guy. Yeah, there you go. Nice. <laughs> yeah, that's good. No, listen, I would have done the same exact thing. What do you mean, man? This scope of work, it's 100 grand. I'm showing you the numbers. Does right. it make sense? He's like crying his eyes out. You know what I mean? But that's the reality of it. And so, yeah. no, it's, it's nice that you have that. Yeah. Maybe one day I'll find something else, man. <laughs> There you go. We all we all eventually at some point, but at some point, or maybe not. But yeah, whatever. Hey, whatever. That's uh, what ChatGPT is for. It's got some emotion now. Oh, she also <laughs> hates when I use ChatGPT. Dude, I'm telling you right now, I I had I just wrote down in a spreadsheet my whole scope of work, and I put I copied it and pasted it and said, "Write me a professional looking scope of work." Yeah. And sent that right over. I know, and now you could tell it who you are if you go to the settings. You can tell it like I work. This is my business. You can give a whole description so that every time you write an input, it pops out 
a consistent, like you just have to go to the settings and put yourself. So for example, for you, you can tell it, it can like a bio of yourself. So say, my name is Tyler and I do X, Y, Z, and I built this, I did this. And then it's going to take that into account in every single input that you give it. Because I'm putting it in with, no. with the content. I'm saying, write this. <clears throat> I am a flipper. I do this. No. Go oh. into settings. I think it's somewhere in the settings. I have it on mine. And you can basically just put like what you do, how many, like whatever it is that's general high level view of you. And then every time you put an input, it just grabs it. It basically just starts to come up with things. It's insane. I was like, man, this thing is like a genius. Yeah. But then I show my wife and she's like, ah, I can tell Chad GPT wrote this. Like, yeah, but. Well, yeah, because I don't have the vocabulary. But other than that, it's like, it's like, yeah, you really could. She's like, I mean, you would never use that word. You're right. I will never use the word jostle. No. <laughs> no. Well, yeah, then it gets to a point where I'm like, you know, write it creatively. And it's it's like writing it in Shakespearean. I'm like, okay, take it to step back. Like I'll I'll get sometimes get mad at ChatGPT and I'm like, too much. Stop. Stop. This is I'll put it shorter. Just horrible. Horrible. Shorter. And then it gives me a sentence. I'm like, longer. And then it gives me two pages. I'm like, dude. When I was working for the uh as a with the syndicator, he he would, which I'm sure many of your listeners probably know him, Axel, yeah. is we would use it to kind of write up a lot of things updates we would write you know capex work that was done on apartment buildings we would use it for a lot of things and we realized that we actually had to some when it, and that was when it first like came out we had to kind of tone it down a bit and it's like okay although this is great as a starting point it's like you almost have to give it your language uh which yeah. is where like uh, my wife is pretty good at she's yeah. she can take anything that was written on ChatGPT and make it sound like the greatest thing possible. Yep. Um, but that's what she did for a living for a long time. And obviously, you know, was a stay at home mom. And now she's running the business with me. So it's pretty much she gets to use the talent that she did in the professional life right. to, to run a business now. Out, right. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Interesting stuff, man. Well, I really appreciate you yeah. coming on today. I appreciate all your, all no, your input, it. like your story. Um, it's super interesting. <laughs> and like I said, I mean, you picked up the context I wanted. So you're somehow making money on it. And I didn't think I could. So um, I that's awesome, man. So. Um, if you want to plug anything, put any socials out there. Or okay. you, you, I know you're always looking to buy. I am too. So this can be a good conversation. All right. Yeah, I'm always looking to buy. I buy any property with uh, typically 1,200 square feet or more. Uh, single families, multifamily, no more than four units. Uh, typically, obviously, I, I look for anything in distress, no foundational problems. Um, and I am looking for, I, I will do a high CapEx as well as a low cosmetic. Um, so anyone you know that might be selling, um, I, you know, shoot them my way. I pay referral fees as well. So if you, if you find something that doesn't work for you, I can get creative. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just a matter of like, um, you know, that's pretty much what I'm actively doing right now is just buying. Yeah. Um, and then my, I do have an Instagram. So REI operations. Uh, you can look me up and I post a lot of good content there. I just started it not too long ago because my yeah. wife, uh, you know, encouraged me. It's a little camera shy at first, but yeah. um, I give a lot of tips there, a lot of places, uh, a lot of uh, ways you can save money on costs, on construction costs, on operating your, your entire rental, even like some cost saving programs that you can sign for, up for in general. So yeah, it's kind of my comparative advantage is I, I'm very good at saving money <laughs> Yeah, right. Uh, with high quality. So yeah, REI operations. Awesome. Well, cool. I appreciate cool. it, Evan. Thank, Thank you, you so man. much. Appreciate it.